Hello and welcome to Film File bonus episode where we go through 10 questions around Atomic. Atomic? (laughs) (laughs) It's like Atomic Kitten. Your premiere Atomic Kitten podcast. (laughs) The tide is high, but we're not running low on topics. (laughs) Hello and welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Best one, best one. Hello and welcome to Film File bonus episode. This is one of the hashtag MTOS Movie Talk on Sunday bonus episodes. The Movie Talk on Sunday being the Twitter chats that take place on a Sunday evening at 8pm UK time. So if you're in another part of the world, you might need to change your sundial. In these ones, we look over one topic with 10 questions. Around the table with me today, I've got my usual bunch of M tossers. Wow. <laughs> I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm Jason. Tom. And I'm Andy Meakin. So on one of the earlier ones, we spoke about Marvel films. So it's only fair that we look at the distinguished competition this time, DC. This is a big subject for Scott, who's, um, up as we've said on the main episodes before now, whenever we refer to anything DC, he's our resident DC expert. So let's kickstart things. We've got a fair spread. Me, me and Jason are very much on the DC bent, aren't yeah, we? And yeah, uh, yeah. we've got a couple of Marvelites. Yeah. Yep. So let's start with question one, which is a look at those early DC films, the pre-DC EU era, i.e. before Man of Steel. So what was the first DC film that you can recall for good or for bad? Scott. Uh, it'd be the first, I watched the first Tim Burton Batman film. It's about being a 15 rated here. I, I saw it very early, but the, um, uh, it was on the lead up to Batman Forever, which would be 95. I, I loved the animated series. That's what got me into. Oh, that animated series was amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I were watching the Marvel ones as well, the X-Men and the Spider-Man. So I just love superheroes, but I always gravitated to Batman the most. And then I, I found out there was a, there was a 60s show on Channel 4 as well, and I was just obsessed with the idea that it can be so like this in the cartoon and so like that on the TV show. And then I'm introduced to this third variant when he's so different again. And I think that's where my love for Batman really took hold because I, you, you couldn't help but see his malleability play out. So I just from that point on, I, I burned through all the Tim Burton and a lot lesser extent than Joel Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Batman films were very much my entry point. Tom, as the youngest of the group, what was your first foray into DC on screen? Mine would be Christopher Reeve's Superman. I think my dad, he he particularly liked the Superman because he, he grew up with, with that. I think he was around oh, 10, 10 years old, early teens, uh, when uh, Superman came out. So I think he thought it was only fair that when I was around that age, he introduced me to, to the same uh, film. So yeah, the, uh, the the Superman film starring Christopher Reeve was my first venture into DC films, and then obviously we had the uh, Batman Begins, and I Batman and Robin was my first actually venture into the Ooh, Batman films. I know wow. it's not the, not the and you never watched one again. <laughs> <laughs> not the greatest thing. I thought is this what Batman's got to offer on this? But now I realise you had better films for Batman. But yeah, Superman was my first fire into there. Jason. I feel really weird because mine seems to be exactly the same as Scott's. It's our gen, it's our age, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Straight in it, Batman, Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, and then... I mean, he's... Tim Burton's Batman, I mean, what he brought to it was... He, he drew upon, like, what the comic was being influenced by. That's because uh, Dark Knight Returns had, like, been in the public comic book eye. And so he, he drew on that, like, okay, 
Batman's not light and yeah. funny. Batman's not daft and flippant. Batman is something a bit serious. And like the anima- you saw the animated series before it, but the animated series came after yeah, no, the film. Yeah, yeah. It took it in a whole different direction what people expected a Batman film to be. Mm. But yeah, no, I absolutely loved um, the Joker. I remember that distinctly. And I love the Adam West show as well. And I used to have a little a little figure of the car. Well, not a little toy car, not a figure. And I'd always drive that around places. Did you have the one which had the launcher at the back as well? That you could fire the no, no, I had, I had yeah, one more. If you I mean, had that one. I had a, God knows what happened to me missiles. But, you but I didn't have a Batman figure. So I had this epically good, big Batmobile. And I was forced to put Alec Baldwin's shadow figure oh. in the Batmobile <laughs> because I was that one kid who had an Alec Baldwin shadow figure. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. They, they existed. <laughs> I, I feel that I need an Alan Baldwin shadow figure. No, uh, me and Jess were talking about this the other day, but any any sort of comic book Ben thing from the late 80s, early 90s, even if they're bad, I, I, I can't help but love them. Yeah. Because it's very much our time. We were talking it? about Spawn, weren't so we? So even, even as bad as Spawn, Dick Tracy, Shadow yeah, the Crow. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, any of that, I, yeah, I, I can't not love them. I, I, this some aesthetic I'd like they to, all touch on. I'd like to get someone of this generation to watch like some of those films with us and just we see if we're sat there enjoying ourselves. Whether they're just like, what is this? Why oh, are you guys laughing? What I doing? know the shadow is terrible, <laughs> <laughs> but you'll never convince me to not own it and want to watch it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, it was 1978 and Christopher Reeves as Superman on the big screen at the age of five, I would have been, when I genuinely believed a man could fly. And that captured my attention completely on superheroes. As a result of that, I started getting into comics. Admittedly, the comics that I got into were Marvel related because my mum went out and bought me the Fantastic Four comics, which I absolutely adored. And they've always been my first family of Marvel teams. But... On the big screen, Superman blew me away as a youngster. Still, like, whenever I rewatch it now, I still get that lump in the throat. Like, the real heart start, like, racing. And, like, I fall in love with it again and again. And then I got to see Superman 2 on the big screen. Yeah. I got to see Superman 3 on the big screen. Uh. <laughs> Sadly, I got to see Superman 4 uh. on the big screen. <laughs> so it wasn't all good. But that first film just really grabbed my young mind. And that made me see, you know, superheroes, what they could actually be. Which moves nicely on to question two, which is Superman's the longest standing character for DC on film and in comics. From the 1951s and the Mole Men to present day. In 1978, Christopher Reeves played the role. Is that film really as good as claimed or has it aged poorly? And what about the sequels? So I'm going to start on this one and say that that film, for me, is as good as what people say. It's flawed. And we've had this conversation many times that there's no such thing as a perfect film. Every film's got a flaw. But if you can love the film despite the flaws, then you can get a lot more from it. Where it's flawed, a lot of the flaws come from the fact that Donna wanted to make one and two be one continuous story. Yeah. But he was forced to make... uh, It was basically booted out halfway through production and had to edit down part one to take elements of part two. The whole reversing time which everyone says, he spun the world backwards and that, that, that. It's like, no, it's supposed to represent him going backwards in time. Yeah, Let, let's just look visual at that. metaphor. But that's yeah. supposed to be at the end of number two. Yeah. Doesn't quite work as well in number one and it feels a bit of a cop-out, but it feels a cop-out for the right reasons because it's all about his love for Lois and he can't, like, he, he needs to save her and he can't 
accept that he saved everyone else, but not her. And he wants reverse time to fix everything for everyone. I absolutely love it. I return to it quite frequently. I love just popping the Blu-ray in, sitting, immersing myself into that. And as soon as that soundtrack starts up, that's it. I'm gone. I'm, I'm in that world again. Effects are ropey. They don't stand up quite well these days. He's got a nice black outline, uh, thanks to the way that they used to do the special effects. Every time he's flying, it's like, oh, he flies with a black outline. <laughs> quite, a, quite an impressive power. <laughs> but you, you see past it because you truly believe the man can fly. There's none of this grounding reality and having to learn how to fly. He just does it and you accept it. As soon as he rips open his shirt and you think, how many buttons is he wasting? Um, <laughs> Super sewing's always been one Super of Super sewing. There's a haberdashery around the yeah. corner. The, it's fine. But it, it, it works as itself. The sequels, they go downhill. Richard Lester taking over on the second film started inserting more comedy aspects in there. Yeah. And I, I love Richard Lester's comedy. It worked great. I mean, his Musketeers films are some of my favourite films of like the 70s. And I, I love his style in it whether it worked with Superman. Didn't damage Superman 2 as much, but you can see on Superman 3 where Richard Lester was the wrong person yeah. to be behind the scenes. You know, Superman 3 has a few good moments. Superman 4, forget that. Scratch it. Doesn't exist unless you're watching it with a commentary on it, which is by the writer, <laughs> who clearly does not like what they've done with his script. <laughs> that um, sounds incredible. Jason, any love for the Superman Christopher Reeves films? So... I've not watched the first one for a very long time, but I remember I I did like it quite a lot. But it's it's been so long I I genuinely couldn't give a proper opinion or not without me like saying it by time sake it could be wrong. Like, yeah. I especially enjoyed this bit. I couldn't misremember misremember because my memory is not always the best. Uh, the second one I really enjoyed because Zod exists, and also because it's. <laughs> It's one of my least favourite, but also favourite uh, representations of Lex, where he, instead of showing any form of intelligence, he's just slimy. Yeah. He's just pure on slime. He's just sliding and greasing around in the film. <laughs> oh, guys, don't kill me. Oh, I've got use. You know, <laughs> my, my whole thing is I wish to protect the world yeah, against aliens, but also, guys, help me kill this one I absolutely hate. You know, I, uh, I wasn't like... I love it because it's kind of funny, but I also hate it because because yeah, Lex is Lex is a character. Three and four, I I've never seen four because <laughs> I'd already by the time I knew it existed, uh, I'd already heard it was so bad that I, I just haven't got around to it. Tom, admittedly, I've only seen one and two. Um... I'm not seeing three, uh, not seeing four. It's, I think, it's, it's yeah. more than fine, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the general consensus is you did the right job. Um, but yeah, no, um, one and two, I can always go back to watch. I know that people say, oh, it's not as good as nowadays when you've got uh, Henry Cavill and stuff. But that's purely because probably the visual effects have got better these days because of the technology. But back then, that was groundbreaking what they were doing. So it really got me as a, as a small child. Like, yeah, that's. That's great. And there was a, a colleague I work with, um, I don't know if leads, this leads into a different question or not, um, saying he never really got round to enjoying Superman. He never really liked Superman, purely for the fact Superman is a superhero that a three-year-old would design. And I'm just like, <laughs> he can fly and he's got like eyeballs that shoot lasers and he can see through things. And it's just like, well, yeah, but that's like the entire point of Superman it was accessible to everyone so young and old it's it's probably why it's gone on as long as it has Superman because he's accessible to all ages but yeah they're the only two that I've seen pre-DCEU 
of Superman, and I, I think the I can watch them now as well as then, and it's still the same reaction, loving it. Scott, similar to the character himself, I, I know there's various serials and the Batman film got a TV movie, Wonder Woman world, but um, it's the it's very much the prototype comic book movie as we know it, superhero-wise, similar to how Superman's prototypical superhero. So a, a lot of the conventions that led into your Raimi Spider-Mans and your other influence, they were all taking cues from this film. There were no templates, so he's he's gone for almost this like new epic manner. So it's very similar to like the historical epics. It'd always be like some foe, prophet of God. You've got a huge origin, and then suddenly you shift focus in time to this new. He's done all that, but we like an origin and a super, and 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 make it almost like comic book like, and and whether it's John Williams' score, just the charm of it or whatever, it definitely holds up. Yeah, it's a bit kitsch. Seventies kitchen there, and uh, obviously the effects are not going to wow anyone from today's standards. But I introduced my little sister to the Superman films about ten years ago when she was five or six, uh, and she loved them for your capital L because it's just accessible. It's just there's no explaining any aspect of Superman to a child, and and it doesn't alienate anyone else. It's, you can't you can't be cynical watching it. <laughs> You, which it's just hopeful and, and nice. So I do think it holds up. I think, I think it's prototypical. I think it has to come into any discussion. It's it's a it's a landmark and benchmark for the entire genre, if you want to call it a genre. Which yeah. the casting is definitely something that greatly benefits the film. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, the portrayal of Luther by Gene Hackman. I mean, it, even though he refused to shave his hair off. Uh, despite the fact that Lex is supposed to be bald, and so like, he, and he refused to wear like a, a bald cap yeah. until like one fit one shot in the film. Yeah, you didn't mind because they played it as though it's Lex wearing a wig, but he puts everything into it. Margot Kidder, oh, rewatching that recently, and it's easy to just absolutely fall in love with her representation of Lois Lane. She is so powerful a character, so sure and so confident, and yet with those foibles that yeah. make her work as a human person, she's not perfect, she makes mistakes, she keeps mistyping things, it's like a running joke that they have in like, all, yeah. all their like, lines of... Like, World-class journalists can't, yeah. type, can't And I, I love those little nuances they put in. I mean, you know, the scene where she, he first rescues her when like, she's hanging from the helicopter is just jaw-dropping. Mm. Yeah, the effects... Yeah, it does look like a model shot on most of it, because it was. Yeah. But you're so caught up in the moments that when he flies up and she's like, you got me, who got you? And you're like, oh, I love this film. And even in the sequels, as they go downhill, those casts still give it their all. Christopher Reeves, even on Superman 4, he clearly wants it to be a good film, despite yeah. the fact that everything around him isn't working. He's still giving everything, and he's still immensely likeable in there. But even, even that convention of, like, get the biggest and best to really fill out these characters and worlds for us, even if they're not the lead protagonist. Uh, that's been commonplace since. Yep. Tim Burton did it. Chris Nolan's done it. Fill out your world with strong actors who just want to imbue a character. So much spawns from this. <laughs> Terrence Stamp as Zod yeah. is absolutely iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely iconic. Like, you know, just became so ingrained in the public conscience that even if you've not seen the film, you know the lines that he spoke. Mm. Yeah. Because he, he just dominated yeah. on the screen. Absolutely. Would you, and, and easily uh, the most iconic superhero theme 
from John Williams. Oh, definitely. It, it's so inescapable. Everyone they, knows it, even if they've not seen the film. Yeah. So inescapable, they felt the need to do a pseudo-sequel with Brian Singer's Superman Returns because they just couldn't get Christopher Reeve and, by extension, the John Williams score out of people's minds no. to the point they went, well, we're going to just have to do more of that. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you hear that... You just know what it is straight away. I mean, John Williams had that thing where you could. For me, it's yeah. just that, like right from a low rumble. Of a dum, do, 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 yeah. And I'm just waiting for it to go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Just... I, I, I can't remember who it was who said that the, the thing that makes the Superman theme work so well is it's as though it's singing Superman to you. Yeah, it is, yeah. Da, 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 Superman. Da, 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 Superman. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing about John Williams' scores is pretty much all of them are kind of like, even Star Wars, da, 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 Star Wars. <laughs> it is a Star Wars. Jurassic Park as well. Yeah. Do, 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 do. In Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah. Oh, wow. This, <laughs> yeah. this has completely escaped my attention until now. <laughs> he makes iconic themes that work because they represent the title that it's playing to and yeah he's a, I mean we could do a whole topic on John Williams and I think maybe that's another one to chalk up as a, an idea for a future one mm. um, but let's move on to I mean, you briefly mentioned Superman Returns so question three on the flip side a lot of people say that Superman Returns was bad in hindsight a lot of people who enjoyed it have now decided to retroactively dislike this film was it a bad film? Do you think it was a shame we never got a continuation of that film and that instead we moved in a different direction? For what the film it was intended to be, which is a new Superman 3, setting it up for future instalments, I think it's fine to good. I think Kevin Spacey, I know he's a, not a name you he's want to say. He's a touchy subject these yeah. days. <laughs> um, he was, he was a, a good Kevin Spacey. I think Brendan Ralph was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, trying to fill quite big shoes, let's be fair. And I think there's a lot to enjoy in that film. A lot of fun visual effects. I think I think the downside was we are 30 years removed, I think about 25 at the time, 25 years removed from that take of Superman. And I think we all recognise this, those four films exist. They're a time and a place. They're in a capsule like we've just talked about. We don't need more of it to a weird lesser extent. We 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 that that is the moment a Man of Steel or equivalent adaptation needed to be made because the reason Batman fries while Superman survives is because everyone accepts new interpretations of Batman readily because that's all we've ever been introduced to. We don't accept it for Superman. We only just assume Christopher Reeve is Superman. And that was a window where we could have conditioned audiences to treat Superman on a similar level. Like, it's a character that will be reinterpreted every few years, and then I think people might have been warmer to Man of Steel after the fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, I find it really interesting, because, like, now we're obviously in this renaissance of um, taking something old mm. and doing a, like... 20, 30 year sequel after well, the very fact. ahead of its time for yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I feel like it might have done a little better if it had just been a couple of years later because that's when we all started going, well, actually, I remember that and, oh, I would love a sequel. but with a... And also, it's the first Superman film where it's very much an established genre. Yeah. We wanted a, we wanted a villain. We wanted someone to punch. We wanted stakes. We've been introduced to Green Goblins and Jokers and this, that and the other. And again, he's not—he's not throwing a punch. Yeah. I, as as shallow as that sounds, I think that really hurt its perception. Again, um, what I find interesting is because now 
we, it is an established genre, if you want to call it that. And we now look for the ones that are different, that we draw the most enjoyment yeah, from yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But again, because it is different, it might have done a bit better these days because it would have been different to the fact. I love the fact that it exists now, removed yeah. from the time, because it's just an interesting, weird yeah, move yeah. that was made that you could easily forget about, but it's very enjoyable. But at the time, I was very, I why are we going backwards? Yeah, it I... felt like we were going back. It felt like we were giving up on the character because we feel there's no other way to do Superman, which is just wrong. Yeah, we just be... look at a comic book. There's loads of ways to do Superman. Oh, it's Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor would say. Wrong! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom? So I'm in a similar position to Scott. It's like you've got that so many years later, but that, that mindset of people saying this is the Superman we know. It's like with the Batman, like you said, you had so many interpretations by different actors. People like, accept a redesign yeah, exactly. every couple it's of years. Exactly. Like, oh, 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 we got now to portray. But with with Superman, I know a few people, maybe of this generation now, would say, "Oh, well, mine's mine's Cavill or something." We're slowly getting to a realm. I think people yeah. get get it, but we could have got here a lot quicker. Yeah, like Superman. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, it's same. Same. I know it's throwing a different type of uh, genre out there. It's same with the James Bond stuff. That was so many different actors. Most people, I know you're a big Bond fan. Most most people are like no, that that's my Bond. Yeah, that's my Bond. No, I don't see why you chose him. But with Superman, I think the general consensus is Christopher Reeve embodied it in such such a way that that's the one we always strive for to make it similar to his portrayal. I don't know who your favorite, but mine mine's Connery. Oh yeah, Connery. Yeah, a lot of it's, people. Yeah, also. it's Connery. What? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people are like, oh no, Roger Moore was mine. Same with the Batman stuff, who I personally would go bail, purely for the interpretation. Well, I, I love the TV show, so I would say on on screening together, my my best one would have been Adam West. There's the no TV right show. or wrong answer, exactly. as far as with, I'm with, concerned. With Batman, there's such a choice. Superman, no, you've got Christopher Reeve. A lot of people, I know a lot of people my age had Smallville, so they had that, but that wasn't really Superman, that was just showing the Clark Kent of it, side of it. So, yeah, I think... With, with the Superman Returns, a lot of people were expecting a Christopher Reeves' performance and the sort of same style of film. And a lot of people, now they've watched it and, like, he didn't really live up to the expectations we had set. So I'm I'm, I'm at a loss for, like, opinions. We can't ignore that, actually. Smallville was running in parallel to this. So people are watching this Clark Kent character portrayed differently to yeah. Christopher Reeves going, mm. hold on a minute. Yeah, there is other ways to do it. Why are we over here doing Superman. this retro love letter to Chris Dick Dover? Superman's one of these very strange characters where um, he seems to be like, to use the term, like gate kept or you know, people are gatekeeping yeah. him where they've yeah. got this one version of him, but in their heads is so definitive, every other take is unacceptable. I always think now that's dangerous. Yeah. When you've just mentioned Smallville, um, I remember when that was rolling out, a lot of people I know wouldn't touch it because they're like, well, it's different. It's not. Superman, yeah. and then same Superman Returns, and then Man of Steel, and um, even to an extent, the new adventures of Lois and Clark, people were in a similar way because they've just got this one iron vision and they want to keep it that way. Even, like how... even when Supergirl were coming out and they were bringing Superman in, I were reading all sorts on yeah. both sides or whatever, where it's like, shall we see how it goes? <laughs> then we'll have an opinion because afterwards. I don't know what it is, but sometimes the general public grows so enamoured with or not public, cinema goers, become so enamoured with a character and an actor together 
that they won't accept it. Because I mean, I think we're going to have this problem with Iron Man, and inevitably 100%. we'll want a new Iron Man, and ever, yeah. everyone will almost be going. Well, you don't have to look further than look the Joker. So Heath Ledger does this incredible performance. Obviously, gets a posthumous Oscar. It was clear as day from a mile off, and I know, I know, we'll get there and all the rest. And and I'm not saying it's a brilliant performance. They almost set up Jared Leto's Joker to fail because there was yeah. always going to be yeah. weird backlash from people who didn't want to accept this character could be done again because someone did it so well and then unfortunately died, and then. That took all the brunt. So suddenly, when we when we have a, this really left field Joker, where you'd expect criticism, if anything, because it's such a weird left field idea, it got this weird unanimous second backlash <laughs> love of acceptance. It's, it's, it's because they'd already whipped Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah. And when they saw the trailer, they're like, "No, Jared Leto is definitely the bad guy here." <laughs> yeah, like, like almost every praise for Joker I was reading for a period of time had to mention Jared Leto in yeah. some regard. I'm like, "What? It's got nothing to." Do with I, it. <laughs> I I remember as a as a teenager re was it a teenager or late teen I don't know some point between the age of twelve and twenty, uh, revisiting um, Batman the animated series and remembering how many people were like um, the Joker wasn't Jack Nicholson if you know what I mean because yeah. yeah we didn't know the name of the actor at the time but like you know as kids or whatever you're just talking about it and you're just like oh there's no Jack Nicholson and then now you look back and like it's one of Mark Hamill oh Mark Hamill's is my Joker as yeah, far yeah, as I'm yeah. concerned yeah. Um, but. but Superman has that problem as no no actor. I, I don't care how phenomenal Christopher Reeve, Robert Downey Jr. Heath Ledger. We're talking about probably the top three comic book performances of all time. None of them are bigger than the characters, as, yeah. as I'm concerned. No. And I'm mm. sure each of one of them will have said it, believed it, or thinks it. So why do we why do we gatekeep like you say? Why do we pretend they are and almost try and quietly retire a character? It, it always, on behalf of an individual who always, wouldn't want that. Yeah. It frustrates me because that's not the way of things, because the source material we take them from, they go through different writers, they go through different artists, they go through yeah. completely different crises different... and um, yeah, flashpoints yeah, yeah. and yeah. everything so, that yeah. merges the continuities around. So we're gatekeeping a role in a film of and you know of a character based on a forum where it's constantly changing and you'll have your different runs and... Yeah. I just find it so bizarre that you're like, no, but you can't play them because they were played by so-and-so and they have a perfect version. And it damages yeah. the character because rather than give these phenomenal performances the legacy they deserve by being part of almost like a, a, a Hamlet-like role that becomes like, that they'll always be known for starting off. You almost try and put them in a box where they, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's a whole different discussion, but yeah. it's Superman Returns. It's it, this is what the discussion is. It's it, yeah. it's it's this weird idea of fandom trying to gatekeep and not wanting change and studios not what what worked last. And I'm now running the risk of sounding like one of those gatekeepers. I absolutely loved Superman Returns. It's all it's like. Um, for me, it did what uh, recently The Force Awakens did, and yes, it repeated what was done mm. on the original films, but it was done because it needed to remind us what we loved about Superman because there was two sequels that dragged it into dirt. Yeah, that's fair. Point. And if you if you play Superman Returns on one screen and on the next screen have Richard Donner's Superman playing, it's pretty much beat for beat the same film. It's the same kind of structure, it's the same kind of setup and it works in the same way. For me it was a it was a reminder of what I loved about that original film. And I I love going back to Superman Returns. And like you said, there's some great moments in it i mean that the plane crash like saving the oh, plane yeah, from yeah, yeah. wow that is a beautiful sequence there's so much to love in there 
I didn't get the casting of Lois. No, that's I, the biggest criticism. That's I the have. weakness that the film has for me. Uh, Spacey loved him. Yeah, absolutely loved him in the role. I love when they're doing the experiment with the whole city, like with the trains going. I love the detail that he goes into in all his like little props and designs that he does. And then as like things start to bubble up, he steps back, and everyone else is like, "What? What's he doing?" <laughs> it was. It had dark moments. I do think it's a shame that we never got a continuation of that one because have, have any yeah. of you seen the scripts that were getting bandied around for the sequel? They were going to finally throw... throw Brainiac was going to yeah. get in there. Um, um, it was going to u- utilise the sun and the sun gets Brainiac implanted into him. Oh. And so he's given this moral dilemma of does he have to kill his own son in order to save the world um, from Brainiac? And there's so many great interesting ideas in there. There was loads of aspects that they were going to bring in from like, you know, Kryptonian history and like, because mm. one of the criticisms that a lot of people had is that he doesn't punch anyone. There's no fights. There's no real threat to him personally. The sequel was planned to throw in yeah. all that. And that would have been okay. the film that people wanted. Shame that we didn't get to it because whilst that was getting there, moved around and it was getting going to get put into production, but then the Dark Knight films came out. Well, yeah. Which well, leads us nicely into question four, mm-hmm. which we've touched on this with a few other discussions going around there, but which version of pre-DCEU Batman do you have a particular fondness for? Now, I'm going to kickstart and just say that my introduction to Batman on screen was Adam West. Beautiful. And I know it's very much of its time. I love the people who like to go, oh, well, it's just like cheesy. And, oh, it's, it's a bit daft. It's like it knows. It, it was deliberately being like that yeah. because that's the time that it was in. And there's some great ideas and moments in there, but it is designed for fun. Yeah. yeah. And as a kid, I lapped it up and I go back to it now and I lap it up again because I acknowledge oh, the fun that they were having making it. I, I will always put Adam West at the top of my back and as a result, I, I'm, simply I'm because okay yeah. he's just iconic in that role. Yeah. He made that role and he made it so popular. After that, I put the animated series. Yeah, Kevin uh, Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yeah, yeah. Just, the animated series adapted the comic book style mm. beautifully. And his voice really gave to it. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that the popular choice out of that four films before, like the Nolan ones, is going to be. That's well, Keaton, isn't it? Yeah. yeah um... He had two films in which to really showcase what he could do. But even on that very first film, so many people were against him being cast for it. So like, how can you have what? someone who's a comedian doing it? He, he's Why not. Does that he's not surprised me. And then it turns up, like, pops up on screen, and all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, hey, mm. whoa, this, this was really good. Interesting wrinkle though, because I think Keaton's a phenomenal Batman. But uh, I always, I always think it's almost better to um, do him by their Bruce Wayne personas, because Keaton's is the most eccentric and oddball yeah. Bruce Wayne. The rest very much do the similar ilk of Bruce Wayne, the facade, the sort of socialite playboy. He's the only one who's genuinely Howard Hughes oddball, isn't he? Um, which is why I'm. I'm I, I think I love the Dark Knight trilogy. It's my favourite films of all time, which is why I, I really don't mind where who places what where because they're all different takes, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But I, I just wanted to mention that because it's very different and I kind of like that. The one area no one thinks to reimagine is the Bruce Wayne side mm-hmm. of the, yeah. the equation. Your favourite pre-DCEU? I would agree with you with Adam West at the top. <laughs> Because we we had that on the TV weekly on on, on the repeats, and then I got it the, the entire box set bought for for a Christmas present. But I would go West Keaton, Conroy, and Kilmer. Oh, there's no wrong answer here, Scott. There's no wrong answer <laughs> until Kilmer's higher than anyone. <laughs> no, I'm joking. He was on 
he was on the bottom. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. no, right. Chicks dig the car. It's, do you know what it is? <laughs> it's not even like he's bad, but you never smile in a Batman suit. <laughs> that, that is a cardinal rule. I don't care if he kills every every person he comes across and all the other things people argue about. If you smile in that Batman suit, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I I always like I say I was really really fond of Keaton, probably him because I love Adam West. Like I say I used to watch it a lot, and I had a little toy car, like I already said. I think I think I I lower Adam West by just one purely because I feel bad putting up like the most fun one at the top because I <laughs> I feel like it's a little naughty somehow. Like, it should be. I, I I don't know what the issue would be. I think I think Adam West's brilliant. And then um, obviously, and he loved the character. It was clear yeah. that Adam West loved that character He's when a... he came back to voice it for those two animated movies as mm. well. Wasn't it just terrific? Oh, I just love the use of bat in front of everything that he had in that game. Bat computer, bat dust analysis, all that. It was amazing. I love his little pub, like his public safety announcement kind of things. Yeah. As like they're about to run across like to the Batmobile and like, you know, no Robin, look both ways before crossing the road. <laughs> For me, it'll always be Batman and Robin trying to decipher one of the Riddler's riddles. And it'll always be someone like, what's yellow and dangerous? I can only machine gun. Right, Robin. <laughs> As if it's the most logical, logical back and forth. Oh, uh, I, I never, t- they played that joke a million times and I never not enjoy it. Like... Before we got to Nolan's Dark Knight, there was also films such as Constantine, Jonah Hex, Watchmen and V for Vendetta, the edgier realms of DC-owned properties. Any love for them? Uh, yes. Um, v for Vendetta, I, 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 I know it splinters off from the comic a bit. But that, rather than anarchy, they go for a bit more freedom fighter. Yeah. But I love that film for what it goes for. It's it's There's no such thing as a bonfire night film, but if there ever was one, it's that one, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can't... Not in the no over crows before Halloween, isn't it? But there's a lot of fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it captures the first half of the graphic novel almost frame for frame. Yeah. Like, the whole incarceration of her character and how she, get, how she gets to understand his, like, methodology and his thinking. Basically, Stockholm Syndrome takes place and she becomes on board with his ideas. Mm -hmm. That all plays out. And I think that the changes that they made towards the end work for the cinematic reasons. Yeah, I think they had to. I think they had to change it. In the same way, Watchmen. I think that's as good as an adaptation of Watchmen you could have possibly done in a film form. Zack Snyder nailed the look. He nailed the feel. And that ending of it actually worked, I think, better. Certainly cinematically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did kind of... I was... First time I watched it, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see an absolute mess. Oh, obviously, you want to see yeah. a giant squid. Yeah. Who doesn't want to see a giant <laughs> But I got over it, and yes. I mean, it's, in, it's interesting that the Watchmen TV series is picking up on the comics yes. finale. So the giant squid monster from outer space is, I didn't know was this. a thing of it. Oh. Well, it's an easy win. And a, fanboy, a, yeah. Adrian Veidt's been continuing... Like occasionally dropping more little mini squids across the world in order to convince people that this menace is still out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's all in there. So I, it could have worked, but I don't think it would have worked on film. I think if they did a TV series adaptation of the graphic novel, I think that would work. I would also say the opening montage encapsulating oh. all, all, the, <laughs> all the various side bits of material in Watchmen is the best work Zack Snyder's ever done. Constantine? Can't say I've watched it. Ooh, it's just... I'm, I, like I say, I'm, I, I'm not really the DC fan, so I can't say I've really watched any. I'm, I'm aware of V for Vendetta. I've seen bits of it. 
I had the um, Watchmen graphic novel like collection yeah. uh, comics growing up, but I can't say I've actually seen like the film adaptations of them, which is really really poor of me. I know the Watchmen TV show is on my watch list at the moment. You've got to watch the Watchmen. Yeah, purely for the fact it's it's there and it's available, and that was a really terrible pun, Andy. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's on my watch list, and I do believe I've got Constantine on a DVD somewhere that's not been watched because it's like the gifts that you get given at Christmas. You get a DVD and you put it on your shelf, and then you forget about <laughs> it until next Christmas. I, if when I, you get the if I receive Constantine, it would not be going on my shelf to be forgotten about. <laughs> I, 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 I never had the upbringing of watching all those films when they were available to it, because we never really went to the cinema or anything, yeah. we never really watched stuff. So I'm, I'm a poor advocate on this question, and I can only apologise. He got a little criticism, because obviously you want you want the trench coat, you want the Brit, you want the smoking, you want the blonde hair, but I think it's fine. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's weirdly enjoyable. I think me and Jason have spoken about Constantine before, and we're both pretty much of the same opinion. If they did it again and made it look comic book accurate, you'd take it and you'd enjoy it, wouldn't you? Like I have no problems with uh, Keanu Reeves in the lead role, mm. despite the fact that he's no longer like a, a blonde scouser. I think they got the character right. Yeah, and I've always been a fan of if you're gonna if you're gonna do an adaptation, and you're not sure that the the source version will work for a wider Hollywood audience, whatever. I like it when they try and run slightly differently, but still, you know, catch elements of what makes the film. Yeah. So, at the time, because you know it was a it was an earlier time and comic book films were starting to come in, but they weren't like surefire hits. The idea of putting a Scouse lead character in a Hollywood sort of film might we're not only have, just at the point yeah. I half expect them to do with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, back then, it'd have been like what? Yeah. So I. I Get it, and it, it kind of works in its own way because you know Keanu Reeves is a very comicy character, even though not a character actor. If you watch the John Wick films and uh, like it's pure action stuff, but he sort of feels like he's out of a comic book because he's oh, doing oh, things. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know he, he works in that sort of role. I think that the rest of the casting around him in Constantine as well really works, oh, and yeah. the whole like angels and demons kind of aspect is beautifully done. Mm. There's some great. Great moments within that film, and I, I, I even love like that as he's ascending up towards heaven and he gives the V's back, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, screw you, I'm go- I'm going upstairs anyway, um, only to be like ripped back down. And just to prove it's not a DC loving, Jonah Hex is terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, that Jonah Hex. Jonah <laughs> Hex. Don't watch Jonah Hex. Right, okay. Okay. Or it, do watch it. My, be... Michael Fassbender's in it, and I forget every time. <sighs> <laughs> he, he's been in some dross, hasn't he? I mean, you, you saw Assassin's Creed. <laughs> so, good. have you not seen Assassin's Creed? No, I haven't. Oh, escaped. A- Asinine crap. <laughs> Asinine Creed. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, oh. Yes. So, question six. So, we're on to Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. They get a lot of praise and attention, but is it well-deserved? What worked well within them and what didn't? Yes. I'm going to obviously say... Uh, and it and it does for two reasons. Obviously, The Dark Knight became like a benchmark film because it was a crime drama first and a comic book film second, and obviously had a performance by Heath Ledger that transcended the genre. And I mean, that started the wave of Oscars starting to include ten films instead of five, just to get stuff like that in because yeah. there was such a furore about this film being snubbed for Best Picture, and to even be talked in. In that regard, that very much was a trailblazing moment for the entire genre. But so that gets all the attention. But for me, Batman Begins. Uh, keep in mind, with it's been ninety seven to two thousand five. We had a Batman film, yeah. And then we get this 
sl- this studious character study of Batman's origins. If Superman was the template going into Batman Begins, but from Batman Begins onwards, it felt like every superhero film was trying to be Batman Begins. And I even yeah. include Iron Man, which became the formula for the entire Marvel Universe. Yeah, I mean, Rises, that's a different debate. I think it's a ambitious and enjoyable bookend, but those first two films are benchmark moments for the character in the genre for me, which is why it'll always get that love. I love the first two. Dark Knight Rises, I thought they tried to fit as many characters in as possible, just because apparently they were... The rooks, when Heath Ledger died, they I think they edited... Uh, Dark Knight slightly, so he was transferred to another prison, so that's why he never... Because they were going to get him back for Rises, unfortunately, obviously due to the circumstances, he was unable. I do also believe, and this is from Marvel fan, that the Marvel Universe, the formula to create the perfect film, was set in place by the Nolan trilogy. The origin story, like you just said as well, Scott, is very... Iron Man is literally yeah. Batman Begins yeah. to be a better palette. It is. <laughs> yeah, it like... is. You, you can obviously see that with, like... Especially when he's got like trapped somewhere else and he's learning all these powers just to like free himself and become better. That is a direct like you said earlier on where you could play Superman Returns and Superman side by side. You can with Iron Man and Batman Begins. Yeah. But yeah, the, the the praise that the Nolan trilogy gets is well deserved and well well within its right to receive that praise. Do you concur? Yeah, I mean I, I absolutely like I was one of those people who preferred Batman Begins to Dark Knight, but I don't know if that was retroactively because of how much people were telling me I must love The Dark Knight. So I'm one of those who unfortunately lets other people, when they push things at me, go, maybe I don't like it that much. Please back off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely loved the first two. And the third one was really, really enjoyable. I just, I couldn't get as immersed in the third one as I did the other two um, for various reasons. But the trilogy itself is is really good and like definitely helped push things forward in terms of like superhero films and showed it they can be taken more seriously than they are. And there's very few superhero films you can take as seriously as the Dark Knight films as films themselves because they also like it also shows a very good um, juxtaposition between uh, the Bruce Wayne character and the Batman character mm. uh, because Bruce behaves a certain way and his Batman persona doesn't. And it's one of the things that gets fun about certain parts of the Dark Knight where he doesn't really know what's up anymore. Yeah. It's an old film, but I still felt weird like about spoiling anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I, I always get like that. I mean, but sometimes, you, if you're listening to a DC discussion podcast, you, you'd greatly imagine they've watched the end of The Dark Knight. Yeah, and if they haven't, they're clearly in no rush to watch it. Yeah, and, and, cl- and clearly it's not our fault. <laughs> and I'm not just saying it, like, because um, we've already established I really like DC and stuff, but I've always been about all of the comics. Um, well, I think we're all unified on that. Yeah. Uh, why limit yourself? I love Marvel films. You love Superman, DC film. Why, why, why would you? Yeah. Why would uh, you but people limit do, yourself? that's the sad part. Don't get we it. We talked about Gatekeeper. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very good. For me, I didn't like Bale. Okay. I don't like him in the role. Is it the growl? Well, that's just one aspect. I just don't... There's a lot about him. The action with him just seems very stoic um, rather than fluidic. He feels forced in the role, and he's not a good Bruce Wayne okay. for me, which meant that Batman Begins, for me, I didn't I, I didn't get the love that people were going on about when it came out. I, I, I was convinced I'd gone into a, a different film because everyone came out of it going, oh, wow, this, this, this. I was like... Oh, oh, the action was great. The action wasn't great. Nolan was still 
getting used to like directing action sequences and you could tell and I forgave him that because yeah. I said like he still he's moved from indie indie directing over to big action blockbusters he got better yeah, on The Dark yeah, Knight yeah. and The Dark Knight I've got a lot of love for a lot of that comes through Heath Ledger just stealing that whole film yeah. and that's a, a testament to Heath Ledger as an actor but also the Joker as a character Absolutely. is always a lot more compelling a character than Ra's al Ghul yeah, well yeah oh, yeah always so Whilst Batman Begins, I was like, ah, it was okay. Dark Knight, absolutely top two. I can still rewatch that now, and it is like it, it, it is like the perfect structured comic book movie. Dark Knight Rises, I got the impression that Nolan, having lost his muse, lost his motivation for it. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, I'll just wrap this up. I'll get this out of the way. And it, it kind of stumbles around. I hated what they did with Bane. Oh, Bane in the comics Bane in the comics is very much in charge of his destiny he's very much yeah. the manipulator he's very much the mastermind he was reduced to being a henchman yeah. in Dark Knight Rises for no reason at all they could have still had him being the mastermind behind it but it was like oh no here's the real villain it's like Ugh. well you're really? still, still recovering for Bane from the damage that Batman and Robin did to the character shh doesn't exist I mean, it does it doesn't it does it doesn't <laughs> so depending on the writer and stuff we've already had this weird thing with Bane where he started off strong and then in other comics he was strong like in um, was it Suicide Squad or Secret Six he started up again it, it, the, the, the introduction in Nightfall that, like he's such he's so manipulative he's so yeah. like combat clever and he he literally he's exhausts... a master strategist and, yeah. and his whole thing his whole thing from Nightfall is that the bat was the symbol of his imp- oppression yeah. It was a thing that kept him like incarcerated, and so he needed to go to Gotham to defeat the Bat. He's basically Craven the Hunter yeah, exactly. of the DC Universe, because Craven is always about, he needs to prove he's the master of all enemies, and the, the only animal that he's not managed to defeat was the spider. So, and, and he's probably physically equal to Batman, but he's smart enough to exhaust him over a series yeah, yeah. of breakouts, yeah. but villain battles, and then just go in and break his bike. Like, we've never seen it, I mean. And he's lived off that, and then he's become this parody of like he's a steroid user, strong guy. Yeah. And Batman and Robin's a great example. It's and almost a parody of what he became in the comics, frankly. Um, so to reimagine him, in reimagine the initial concept of Bane of equal to Batman master strategy, and and the just the quirks Tom Hardy gather, especially keep in mind like you're living up to the Joker and what we've all just said. I, I think it's such an interesting and great take. I will admit, when they reveal he's not the master, it does undo a bit of it. It does, yeah. And I do, it is a criticism I think is very valid. But I do think, because Bane has to carry a lot of that film in the wake of a lot. And there's daft things like, okay, so ev- pretty much every member of the police department all went underground at the same time. Really? We're supposed to believe this? It, it's just got some odd choices because it tries to be so ambitious and do so much because it's his like final Batman film. It's almost like a box tick of what I've done yeah. that I want to do with Batman. I want him to have a flying thing. I want Catwoman in it. I want Robin in it. You can, all, <laughs> like, you can also feel the absence of Heath Ledger in there, of the Joker, because it for me, it's evident that the whole kangaroo court thing with um, Scarecrow running it, that was a Joker scene. It could have. Yeah. That was a scene that he originally had intended, for, like for when he was talking about, like he was already thinking of the third film while he was making the second one, and that was Joker would have been holding that kangaroo course. Scarecrow didn't quite work in that same role. 
But uh, it's still full of great ideas and moments. And... It's definitely a moments film. I mean, the, the opening section, oh. the, the plane heist, like that is just stunning to watch and absolutely brutal. Then you've got like the, you know, the, the American football field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like detonation. Loads of great moments. It just, it just doesn't hang together. It's not to the level of the other two, no. is it? It's as simple as that, isn't it? Um, but it's, it's it's still a very good and worthy effort. And it's big, it's crime, it's it's, it's ambition in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> so after Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, we got the reboot, reboot of Superman in Man of Steel, which launched the new modern DCEU line of films. The film definitely provoked some divisive responses. What do you like about the film and what do you dislike? I know we've had this discussion many times over the years, but there's never been a microphone. Um, I love Man of Steel and it's my personal favourite Superman. You're looking angry just me saying the word. <laughs> he my... knows my feelings on it and bought me the DVD of it. No, that was Jason. That was Jason. Oh, that was Jason. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, Jason. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, I loved it um, because um, it's no secret. You just everyone's got their own opinion on how Superman should be done. We've talked about Christopher Reeves and the Gatekeeper and all the rest, but the character does struggle to define its own relevancy to modern audiences. We all know, we all know you could do it as simple as just make a hopeful film and let the audiences seek it out. But unfortunately, we in a quite cynical, media savvy society, it's not always as simple as that. But it took themes from like Superman F1 and a lot of the more modern Superman comics to ground him, not in his powers, not in his threat necessarily, although some of that's in there. In what what would make him relatable? Well, he's an he's he's an alien. He's completely on his own. No one knows what he, this guy's going through at all. He has to come out to the world, and an and outside circumstance forces that issue. And almost by proxy, he ends up becoming a figure of hope and um, a superhero because there's, there's no, no definition for a superhero. They don't exist. So Man of Steel, it's not a Superman film. It's a it's Clark Kent becoming Superman film because of outside circumstances. The bits I don't like, I don't like how uh, Pa, pa Kent dies. It's just that, weird. That um, is the moment of the film that it lost me. Yeah. It, because I've, I've explained this to you before that... I cannot see any heroic nature in anyone who would let a beloved family member die if they could have saved them, even if they could have got into trouble, even if they could have got hunted themselves. You would risk everything to save someone you love. So Park Kent going, no, don't save me. When everyone was distracted by what was going on anyway, he could have used a super speed, gone through, saved him, done. Chances are he wouldn't have got caught. If he had have done, he would have still saved a beloved person. That was the core essence of a hero that was lost for me. And that was the point that I went, this isn't Superman for me. I agree. I, I, I The think... rest of it, up until that point, I was with it. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of with it. I was not liking some of the choices that they're making, but I was accepting of them. I love the representation of Krypton. Oh, it's fantastic. Krypton yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. I love Michael Shannon as Zod. Yeah, I think he's yeah. absolutely brilliant in the role. He's, he's a villain, but you understand his reasons for everything that he's doing. Yeah. Like all good villains, he's he's he, able to justify his actions. Yeah, he believes he's doing everything for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And you can actually empathise with him through points of it. I have no problem with the next snap. No, I don't. So many people, whenever I've said I don't like the films, like, oh, you just don't like him killing. It's like, I've got no problem with that. How else are you he getting out of that He was put into situation? a situation yeah. that he had to do that in order to 
save humanity. I don't think he, he didn't want to do that, and he the piercing yell leaders. And I love the casting. Yeah, I love every bit of the casting through that film. I think he's a great Superman. I'm glad he's still involved in the DCEU, and that he's hoping that he's finally going to get a proper Superman sequel. Yeah, because I want to see what they can do now that the DCEU has moved on a bit. But that film just it didn't work for me, and it's all because of that disconnect of the heroic character. I get that because I, th- there's a good sort of weird substructure of like the two dads story in there because the, the Jarrell and um, Park Kent and Jarrell's very much about embracing and then Park Kent's very much about ha- hide yourself for your own protection and I think they play that out in an extreme form in Park Kent's death but yeah. unfortunately it's so easy to misre- misread it as what yeah. you've said like why on earth would you let that happen you are yeah. super even though he's not Superman yet and he's going against his Dad's wishes, and up until that point, he's been raised. Don't hide, 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 hide. But it, it, it's like the Martha scene in Batman and Superman. Conceptually, I completely see why they got there, and I even like how they got there. But in execution, it really doesn't work. I, I've, I've put it on a similar scale. But that, that's my only real criticism. I, I think it's a lot better film than people really give it credit for. There's there's other elements later on, such as uh, so when they start fighting in the middle of a cornfield, it's actually Clark who takes the battle into the middle of Smallville and puts people in danger. I, I think <laughs> it, I just, um, a lot of what you've said about the man, like Man of Steel so far, again, comes from the fact that you know the character of Superman so well. But it's because the film is setting up a Superman, is learning. He's, yeah, he's not He's Superman. inexperienced. He doesn't, he, he hasn't yet got the foresight to do that. Because that you, don't, you don't learn a pure essence of wanting to save someone's life. Yeah, but that, he, he goes against his father's wishes so many times early in the film in his childhood because he tries to save those kids because he's doing it in that moment. But when, as I always say to kids and a lot of people growing up and, I may not quite understand this due to personal circumstances. Or even the word of the word of a parent is God, and when faced with that thing, he's indecisive. As proven later, he finally makes a decision when it comes to saving those people in the next snap. At that point, he's indecisive. He wants to go save him, and he's told no by someone who has been looking out for him and who he listens to expressly. He he like that's that's his you know to him that's his dad. That's the man who has the best interest for him. That's a man he loves. That's a man whose word is law. And that man says, don't. And so he doesn't. And it, you can see, you know, it's hard for him and stuff. And again, it's him developing in the same way as like the, the cornfield scene. Yeah. At that point, he's, he wants he's, to say He's angry. He's, he's attacking his mum. And he's, <laughs> he's superhuman. He's, yeah. The whole film, he's been trying to fit into a human shell. Um, humanity is the disguise for him because he's this other being and he's always tried to... Like, as you know, outcasts and I always relate to the whole, you're alienated because you're different and he's different, but so he's trying to fit into the shell. You know, yeah. it doesn't quite fit. And yeah, he, like, at this point, he's never had to face something on that level of anger and he's there. And it's not just like, like someone who's important at risk, it's everyone. But so he doesn't necessarily think of where things are and where he's hitting something to. The or same anyway, way I wouldn't if I lost my temper. It's, it's Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're just gone, aren't you? This is a superhuman being who, for the first time, has just punched something at foot, you know. But he's learning, it's all a learning process. Yeah. Which you see throughout the film as he tries a bit better, you know. To... But I, I do agree with Anne. I, I think they needed to be aware of that criticism. Yeah. 
and include whether it be lines, whether it's just a quick throwaway shot here and there of him just grabbing a person and moving them out of the way. Yeah. Just to go, oh, yeah, he's clearly learning. But I think we interpret it the same way. It's why I love it. But And I think it's what they went for and very valid. But I do agree with Andy to an extent where they could have saved themselves a lot of hassle and it would have been better received yeah, yeah. with literally like five minutes added and taken away. I love that he wanted to ground it in some kind of reality, but it kind of makes it a bit ridiculous when he starts to fly. Because he does the whole, like, starts to jump, then jumps a bit further, and then jumps a bit further, and then jumps, and gravity just goes, oh, I'll stay up there then! Well, it's, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of It's whole... a beautiful scene, and, though. And there's, the, there's no continuity from that point onwards as to when he takes off, whether he causes a blast going out or whether he's perfectly fine because uh, Lois at one point should have just gone flying off into the distance. Maybe he's getting back control. <laughs> but that was after he'd already got the control. <laughs> Here's the thing though, it is a superhero movie and we do have things like that all of the time. Yeah, let's that's not, fair. Let's yeah, not I mean, dwell on those little continuity issues yeah. otherwise we are really for a So while. Tom, we've not heard from you on um, Man of Steel. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> it's another one of those films where I've, I've not got I've got it on DVD, but I've not got around to watching it. Okay, it'd be interesting to um, get your feedback on that one. Yeah, once so I'll I'll, I'll I'll watch it tonight. You, I'll go you've, and watch you've heard it. the two opposing opinions, yeah. and so I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll let you know his opinion. Yeah, but I think from what I've gathered from it, you kind of both because it is an origin story. There's different takes of it. So you've, you're, you're perfectly like it's not the most heroic thing to do to let someone you love die. Which we've just dropped loads of spoilers for him, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, spoiler warning. <laughs> but that's, I think that is the quintessential making of a superhero. It's someone you love dies, and that's where it comes from. Like with um, Marvel here, Spider-Man, Uncle Ben dies. He could have stopped, Peter Parker could have stopped that guy leaving. Ah, but the difference there is he didn't know the repercussions of that. Robber running past him, whereas here he was actually could see him and could see him in the old uh, Superman. I mean, look at the going back to the Christopher Reeve Superman. Park Kent dies of a heart attack, yeah. which conveys the message that you can save people, but you can't save everyone from everything. Whereas this one for me was like you can save people, but you don't have to, mate. Don't worry about it. Well, I, another... And it conveyed a different kind of. But I always core it, message like and like Jason was saying. He keeps his nature is to save people. He keeps doing it, and he keeps going. No, don't, don't. You're going to ruin your own life. Stop doing it. And in that moment, he finally listens to his dad. In that moment, how do we know that bit? It's a flashback where he clearly regrets it. He learns not to do that again. Not not to hide. If you, if the yeah. difference is hide or save, you save. Which is why he comes out when there's an alien invasion. It all informs his decision, which is a huge decision. It's almost like coming out is like gay or something it's i'm an alien i am here what we're we gonna do <laughs> like, and again earlier in the film it shows his you know how much he respects and thought about his dad and his dad's opinion because when he goes around and saves people he moves on something goes wrong he saves and he moves on as well it takes so long to track him down also i would say uh, one of the things i always felt about the early snyder dcu films that i is it felt like they were working towards being as bright and lovely as we have but because the Marvel Cinematic Universe had started to pop up at certain points, which is mainly Batman v Superman and stuff, they had to work towards it in a way so that it's different enough that people can't just say they're copying. And also so it builds like a, you know, the Empire Strikes Back to Return of a Jedi effect. You know, start dark, yeah. end light. Um, it has The light has a more powerful feeling at the end because you saw how they had to get there. Like I felt 
Batman was moving in the big redemption arc, but I assume this is some sort of late. Well, we're on to question eight then, yeah. uh, which is how do you feel in general about a direction of the DCEU series of films and the route they've taken? What have they been doing right and what have they been doing wrong? So, yeah, I, I guess from this you're saying that Zack Snyder's vision that he clearly had to like slowly work across and like build up these legends on the screen and then like play it out and get it to a like a, a recognizable comic book kind of style yeah, look. If he wasn't given choice. Yeah, because if we look back at Batman v Superman, Batman starts off and he's the paranoid sort of Batman we know, but he's also a little bit sharper, he's harsher, he's doing things that we wouldn't expect from a Batman. Something has clearly gone wrong. He doesn't he, he like he jumps to extremes like Batman's tend to, but we're not tend to used to in like a movie verse because yeah. we're used to a more mellow Batman. He, at the end, he starts to work his way down because he starts to sort of trust again. And I feel like what we were going for was a massive Batman redemption arc alongside Superman becoming like a beacon of hope. And I agree and with that. The the big arc of Batman v Superman is Batman he's become so jaded and angry post Man of Steel, the events of Man of Steel, that he's, he's, he's almost unhinged. And he and the whole arc of the film is through Superman. He's come back. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's redeeming himself. He's, he's believing again. He's, he's hoping again. We're used to the, you know, the trifecta of Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman always being there for each other yeah. and always working off each other. And, like, Superman keeps Batman in check in regards to how, like, he trusts and happy as well as what Robin does, but Robin doesn't count in the trifecta. And it felt like that's sort of what we're going for, is this is a Batman who doesn't have a Robin and he's not yet, you know, friends with a Superman and Wonder Woman's, like, uh, hidden away. Like, they don't know about her until much later on. Well, and he's, he's been fighting crime for 20 years. Yeah. He's, lost, he's, he's lost everything and everyone. And then suddenly, two gods fall out of the sky, yeah, yeah. Cr- crush off a city and leave him powerless. Yeah. So it's almost like a, it's like a new crime alley for him. He's like, what is... Yeah. He's so angry at his inability to stop all this so I, I, that he goes to the extreme he's going to murder Superman yeah. and, and, and I very, he gets clawed back and I'd love to have seen how that would have kept going because as you added more people in he's letting more people in mm. and Superman gets grounded by Batman in regards to let's say Superman compared to everyone else is a god for all intents and purposes and we're talking about or I was talking about how he you know tries to fit into a human shell but he doesn't have to try as hard or so often because things are now happening where he is able to be himself well you know struggling while struggling with the duality of clark kent and like lois and batman are the ones who keep superman grounded yeah. i don't know enough about wonder woman admittedly in comic form to know what um batman and superman brings to her table because from what i've seen she seems pretty well adjusted out of the three of them she's got a good counsel in this one <laughs> <laughs> tom have you seen batman versus superman no <laughs> I'm such a great addition to this episode, aren't I? Have you seen Suicide Squad? No. Okay. Have you seen a DC film? Yes, I have. <laughs> e- uh, p- p- pure, uh, yeah, I have. I've seen um, the last half an hour of Wonder Woman. I saw the entirety of Justice League and Shazam. Okay. So okay. I'm late to the DC party. Um, I, I think that the, the one thing that they've been doing wrong, I mean, as much as I despise the movement with the release the spy, Spider Cut, release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I'd watch because, the Spider Cut as I well. I would watch the Spider Cut. <laughs> because they're making a big noise about something that has happened across the industry 
for decades. I mean, yeah. let's let's release the David Lynch cut of June. You know, let's release every director's cut for everything. Why why is there no movements about any of them? Because we accept that this happens within the industry. The problem is that within this industry, Warner's got a bit panicky and cold feetish. Well, that's it, isn't it? They needed to just stick by the guns. They, they thought guns. Man of Steel would have made more money than it did. It did good, but it didn't make as much as they wanted. And so they went, quick, we need to fast track this towards Justice League, put Batman in the next one and do as a like, run up towards Justice League. So Zach's then like, okay, well, I was working towards a Man of Steel 2 film, but we can shoehorn this in. And then Batman vs Superman, which you had two icons of DC, should have been over a billion at the box oh, yeah, office. Yeah, Didn't. It finished around 820 million or something. Yeah, not far off. And Warner's again, right, right, quick. We need to quickly get to Justice League. No, no, no. I don't care about your slow build up. You need to do this. You need to do this. Oh, oh, um, that Deadpool film's done well. So Suicide Squad, David Ayer, get him out of the studio. Get someone else in to come and re-edit it and we'll release a more snappy kind of film. And it's Warner's cold feet of not letting creators go forward. It's where the franchise has been going wrong. I, I think they, they panicked at the the divisive, let's put it mildly, reception of Batman Z Superman. They just panicked. Yeah. And that I think that undermined Suicide Squad. And I think Wonder Woman was in a bubble on itself anyway. They wouldn't yeah. touch that one. Yeah. Because Female director, female-driven. Yeah. If they had have tampered with that, there would have been a whole load of other issues that would have got thrown at them. And it worked. That was the film that worked yeah. the best and because you could tell there was no studio involvement in it. Yeah, exactly. And then we all know the chaos with the Justice League and all that. But like Jason says, the, the, the deeply frustrating part of it, I mean, you know, plans might have changed, affected by the whatever, but the, the plan... Every version I've read, seen interviews for, understood, was to do what Jason said, just get light and just, and then from that point on, you've got a big, bright DC universe where we're at anyway, only with a lot more confusion as to what's canon, well, what direction <laughs> are we in? So we'd have got there, which is yeah. which is why there's a release of Snyder Cup movement. It's basically people going, trying to hold Warner Brothers accountable for their own panicky nature. Because look at it now, uh, like, we're confused in terms of direction and, and of various characters and the general strategy. The last three to four films have all been financially and critically successful. Yeah. yeah. And fun and bright, but arguably more than the Marvel films. Yeah. I mean, I want to, <laughs> I want to quickly mention that, like, we were talking earlier before the DCEU about the best Batmans. Now, Affleck now gets my second place. I think he's great. That's one thing yes. that was yeah. done right. Snyder... Whenever I say that, I don't want them to release the Snyder Cut because it's not a finished cut and it's going to disappoint the people who are thinking that it's this completed version. It's The special effects are not completed. It's a rough cut. And I know that if any of the Snyder cultists um, hear yeah. this podcast, my Twitter feed will suddenly be flamed down by them all saying, Zach said it's done. He said it's done. He said he's got multiple cuts. That's what work prints are. There's multiple versions of it. They're not all completed. If it does get released, it's going to inevitably disappoint. But I don't dislike Snyder. No, I love you his finished. earlier films yeah. and I would have loved to have seen a proper Snyder vision, but nothing yeah. that was yeah. made was a proper Snyder vision because Man of Steel kind of was, but Nolan was in the background. Then he started taking his own ideas for Batman vs Superman, but the studio started interfering at that point. And that's where it all went wrong. Affleck was genius casting. 
Yeah, and he has represented same. the best comic book Batman on the big screen yeah. that there's been. He's dynamic. Yeah. The the warehouse takedown sequence is absolutely it's pure, it's beautiful frame by it. frame comic book moments. It it's everything that Batman should be on screen. I think it's a shame that he's not going to be involved at any going further. I'm curious to see what Matt Reeves does, but I think Affleck was one of the best decisions. Cavill and Affleck, both great casting decisions, let down by the films that they were in. Um, but now, I mean, we're kind of moving into question nine territory, which when Snyder was removed as being the like in full creative control, he was replaced by Jeff Johns, who's now stepped down to just be involved on the writing and production control with Walter Hamada, the head of DC Films, like working closely with him. So with the films that they've had under their belt to date, Shazam, Aquaman, and what we've got coming forwards, are you excited for what we've got coming? It's uh, the, the the problem is we were we were sold a strategy, even if it it sounded vaguely familiar. It's the there's going to be a main arc of Superman between Man of Steel, Batman, Superman, Justice League that's going to define this universe, and on the side we're going to get Suicide Squads, Wonder Woman's, and afterwards Aquaman and whatever Flash. That's a strategy. Where's like, Martian Manhunter? Yeah, I'll have a loved one. Yeah, um, boost to gold, yeah. But that's a strategy. <laughs> but then obviously. And I, d- I almost don't blame them because because of their own weird indecision, they've created. They, they're getting so many mixed messages now because they're getting online fans telling them, "Hey, we actually liked those Zack Snyder films you panicked on. Can you release that, please?" You've got them making a billion dollars on an Aquaman film, yeah, and you've got that they're left field, completely unrelated to their universe Joker film, making a billion as well. They don't know what's happening, yeah. Uh, they're told Suicide Squad's terrible, but they love Harley Quinn, so they they already started doing Bird, that. Birds of Prey has now become a Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, yeah. so they, they they can't say everything's canon, and they can't say it's not canon, and and they can't reboot this universe because a few things work, and they can't. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, like the only way that they could reboot it is if they do a Flashpoint. Yes, which I strongly recommend they do. Or a crisis. Because that way they could fold everything. Because there's now going to be various continuity errors. I like the fact that going forwards, they're not worrying about crossing over and continuity. Same. They're letting each character have its own film. But at some point, it's going to cause complications. Absolutely. And so at some point, they're going to need a flashpoint in order to go, there you go, and they're all together. Um, You said you've seen Shazam. Seen Shazam, seen Aquaman. Thoughts on Aquaman and Shazam? I loved Aquaman. I thought it was a lot better than I anticipated because you, you, with all like the TV shows that you see, everyone always takes the mick out of Aquaman. <laughs> you expect like Entourage a, had its running joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you you expect green tights, you have the top, and riding on some dolphins. That completely changed everyone's opinion on Aquaman because Aquaman was Cause, like because he managed the green top, the yellow tights, and yeah. dolphins being ridden on, and yeah. everyone was fine yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you had people. Completely changed their opinion on it because it was what it was like the butt of the Justice League. It was the joke of it all. Well, that's why Jason Momoa was such a good casting because yeah. you're He's like, marvelous. you can't make fun of this no. dude. Yeah, yeah. He, I think Jason Momoa now, no, you couldn't have got a better person to play Aquaman. He, he, he was the best choice and he did a great job. Shazam, I enjoyed because it was that comedy, comedy feel to it all. It had that comedy centric. It was like, Kind of like Deadpool, but not too much, which probably made it better. I can't wait to see what they do for Shazam 2. And Black Adam. Black Adam, Black yeah. Adam as well. Um, Finally. Yeah. 
because that's, that's been in the game for quite a while, hasn't it? It's been in the pipeline. But never got I think it's just it. been The Rock keeping that alive. <laughs> yeah. Same way that Ryan Reynolds kept Deadpool alive yeah. for all those years. Yeah. The Rock has been determined that he's going to be Black Adam. Yeah. yeah. So I can't wait to see what they do with it. Because it, it, if it carries on going the way the, the formulas they've had for the last few f- films, it's, it's going to do a great box office run. Like Aquaman did with a billion, it'll, it'll clear it easily. Aquaman for me, I mean, you remember my reaction after I saw it. And I was like, I've just pre-ordered that on Blu-ray. I loved it. I I remember being shocked because I was just like... Because the trailers did nothing for me. And I went into it expecting to just be really like, well, this just justifies everything that I've wanted to hate about this. And I loved it. There were so many ideas thrown in there. It was a bit of a mess. Oh, there's like five Aquaman films. as (laughs) As I said, it's like Jeff Johns had walked into the production... And just went, right, I've got an idea for stories for Aquaman. Okay, what have you got? And he started listing, like, the next five films. And he went, yeah, go for it. He's yeah, like, what, five in. films? Like, no, 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 all that in one film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, crack- it's just bonkers, isn't it? It's and just, yeah. it's, it's literally, like, the film knows what it is. It knows it's a comic book movie. It's having fun. And once you get to him stepping out from that waterfall, oh, wearing the costume, yeah. and you're just completely on board with it. And he yeah. poses, and you're just like, yeah, we've, we've love it. it. You know where you are. Shazam, I, again, the trailers did nothing for me. Mm. And again, after I watched it, I ordered it on Blu-ray. I pre-ordered it. A lot of weird heart in that movie. A load of heart that I really didn't expect in there. It was Mm. such a core essence character driven film. What a marvellous joy. Loads of people like to be sneery towards it and go, well, it didn't make a lot of money. It's like, it was a low budget film. It made four times its budget. It's considered a success. You don't get sequels if you're not profitable, frankly. A lot of the problem is when it comes to the DCU, when it comes to any new release, there's a large subset of people who immediately have set opinions or set thoughts. And whether they enjoyed the film or not, they still don't want to admit that they liked this part or that part because they've got this weird gang mentality or this pack mentality where it's like, well, no, because I've been told this, so that must be true. Some of it's tribalism and some of it's just... The narrative is DCEU films aren't very good. Yeah. And so because that's the narrative, God, there's like a weird confirmation bias and there's also like a let's ignore everything that on the side. But the fact that if you take Justice League... Let's pretend Justice League didn't exist. A lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> From Wonder Woman onwards, you've got three or four just hit us after hits, yeah. all of a similar tone. And how good does Wonder Woman 84 look? It looks yeah. fantastic. Uh, this is why I'm most intrigued by Birds of Prey, because that's the Suicide Squad spin-off. Yeah. That's the one that most has to almost hint at what the direction is going forward, and it's the one that's not... Uh, Wonder Woman 2 is going to be fine. I have no doubt. I have no yeah. qualms yeah. that that's not going to do well. That's the weird risk one. But like I say, they've got a new Batman rebooting over here. They've got a billion-dollar Joker movie. And then we are having to continue this universe on the side. They don't know what to do. That's why Henry, Henry Cavill's in purgatory. That's yeah. why... They, I, I, and he, he's being very careful not to rock the boat as well. Because yes. when, when there was the whole, like, release of Snyder Cut day, that there was, like, trying to get most tweets about it online to mm. raise awareness and all that. And, like, the... Like Momoa got involved, it's Snyder got involved, Gal Gadot got involved, he remained quiet. And he's being asked about what his feelings, feelings are, and he's just basically said, I've not seen any Snyder cut. I don't know. I'm, I want to see where the character's going to go from there. I'm not dwelling on the past, let's look to the future. What's so the, he doesn't yeah. want to mud, because if, if he starts like stepping on toes, yeah, because he's still be listed to it, bye, Cavill. But the, and I, I don't want him to go. 
I, I, I want him to be a Superman. Even if the effect, let's say, just for an argument, chuck a number out there. Let's say, let's say to finish that cut, it's 10 million. They'd make that now, be it'd be financially worth doing this nine cut. But the reason is, they'd further muddy incredibly muddy waters when they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll get it, but I bet you we get it 10 years removed when he doesn't affect Well, how long did it take us before we got the Donner cut? Exactly. Uh, Superman 2. We will 100% get the Snyder cut. Will I just don't think we'll do it until they've got a clear also, strategy it will not yeah. undermine. There's also the danger that if they release the Snyder Cut now, as it is, then the uncompleted scenes, they'll have the Snyder fanboys saying, you've deliberately released unfinished footage just to make Snyder look bad. And not that it matters, but what's canon, not canon? If it's yeah. in the Snyder Cut and not the Joss Whedon Cut, is it canon? It, it, would also, like, it would also set a really bad precedent that the fans dictate... Well, already, the end result the, all the time. They and, already yeah. did to a degree because it was the constant vocal mi- minority, I assume, or large. I don't know how group, how largest group of people are who were yelling so many things all of the time yeah. that things kept getting changed. Like before, we, we already had it with the Suicide Squad. They were unsure and then people would not stop shouting. And now that films are doing well, they've stopped shouting in there. I don't know. Well, they're, the but, two... they're too busy shouting about Star Wars at the moment to remember that yeah. DC exists. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of side greenlit projects and projects we could have got that suffered, but the two casualties were Justice League and Suicide Squad, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Basically. And it's such a shame. Just It's just a massive, massive shame. But I, I think the future's bright. I, I, I just want a Snyder Cut to be released so I can put a line from that bit of history and file it away appropriately. Uh, and I just want them to continue to make great films about individual characters. And if they need to do a flashpoint or something to get us all on board with like some of the messiness or a crisis, or yeah. I, I, I like illusions, and I, maybe down the line we can get carried away and do another Justice League. But let Marvel be Marvel. Where DC thrive, what we've been talking about is auto-led tentpole films for the industry. Be different. Be yeah. sh- go places Marvel won't or can't go because they have to tie in together and and just keep it up. <laughs> so they really overthought it. So <laughs> and introduce Booster Gold and Superboy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Booster <laughs> Gold and Blue Beetle movie. So rounding, be rounding off the DC debates today, question ten is to look to worlds where DC have been amazingly successful, which is on TV. Yeah. On TV, the DC franchise has garnered more success and recent reports have shown that it's the top-rated comic book shows on TV of all time. Are there any characters used in the TV shows that you would like to see translate to the big screen? The, the King Shark. Uh, <laughs> well, my, my number one... Yes, absolutely. Um, my number one thing I have wanted for so long, I can't remember a time not wanting it. I always wanted my Flash film. I want a film of the Flash. Yeah. I want a film of the Flash. Anyone, every time anyone asks me, I'd be like, I want a Flash film. And then the show hit, and I feel like I don't need one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in a nice way. I love the Flash film. I, 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 want, I, I, I like, um, we got Ezra Miller in Justice League, so I, in a way I've got one. Uh, now every time I say I want a Flash film, it's more for continuity reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but before that was always my thing. Because that's the good thing about the CW shows. They just do their own take. Obviously, it's going to be a TV budget, but they just do their own take, embody the character with heart. Because to get the character right, I feel like I've got it. Yeah. So yeah. I I don't need a Flash film. I've got like 200 hours of a Flash TV. I mean, next year, next year we're going to be getting the TV Superman series as well. Exactly. Uh, like, 
I didn't know about that. Yeah. Neither did I. Superman and Lois. It's going to be. It's going to be very influenced by the New rebirth. The, 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 the rebirth series of Superman with them raising their kid. It's it's like Martian Manhunter would be one I'd go to constantly. I mean, I, I always I mention it's like I'd love to see him on the big screen. But then he's I, on Supergirl, so I feel quite chill about. It. <laughs> I, want, I want Justice League international style shenanigans with Booster Gold and uh, Blue Beetle stealing Martian Manhunter's cookies. So he goes on a rampage. No one silly stuff like that. But every time I have an answer, they just pop up. Yeah, and and, and I that. think on TV they're doing such a good job with them that. You don't necessarily think, well, can we not have this on the big screen? Because you're quite happy to go, well, actually, I've got 24 episodes each year with this character. Yeah. So the only answer I've got left is um, I want another Green Lantern film. Yeah. Yes. Which which has escaped this conversation completely, as it yeah. does most. <laughs> I mean, yeah, We've had we, we so are, many conversations about it. Yeah. We are getting a Green Lantern TV series. Yeah. The HBO one. <laughs> what a wonderful time to be a superhero fan of any regard. Yeah. yeah. There's if, so much comic book entertainment out there, TV and film, that even when you don't feel, feel enamoured by this one over here, there's this one over there that will grab your attention. Yeah. 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 And I, there's literally not enough hours in the day to keep up with half of them. Um, I, I've, I've made a weird point to almost watch every superhero show that's come out over the last 10 years. And how often do we and you have a conversation on Behind on Batwoman? So that nicely wraps up our DC special of Film File. I'd like to thank Tom for joining us and my regular cohorts, Jason and Scott, for sitting around this table with me, telling me how wrong I was about that. Oh, sorry. Superman <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and well, I mean, I mean we well, already told you how wrong you were about Civil War. So. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and we'll see you again another time. MTOS being hashtag movie talk on Sunday, hashtag MTOS, hashtag lots of hashtags there. Starting this all over again. We've got to start from scratch. Wow, we're doing well. <laughs> <laughs>